So we have been uh, looking for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks about worldview, and I think we all benefited from that. If at points we were going, oh, oh, that, oh, did he really say that? Oh. Uh, so now we're moving on to reaching. Uh, Gareth's going to pop a slide up in a second. We're changing topics, but always really the top of one mountain is the bottom of another. So we're always building and adding on to what, what we've been talking about before. So over the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at reaching, how we reach, why we reach, what that's about. Going to do a few case studies um, of people in the Bible and how God reached them and how they then reached on to other people. Uh, so looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing the fruit from that as well. So let's jump in. So our... Uh, our vision statement is prioritizing God's presence as a community known for his love. Can you all rhyme it off? Is it all familiar to you now, nearly? Uh, reproducing disciples of Jesus who manifest Holy Spirit power here, near, and far. And a vision is a, a, a preferred destination. That's where we're going. Now, how we're going to get there is our mission statement, which is, where's our mission statement? Up there. Reaching, renewing, and reproducing. So the first, 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 the fourth port of call is reaching. So whenever uh, I'm in work, and I work in Titanic Belfast, and we have nations of the world all, just all, all over the place that come, come to us. Um, and the things that we say like uh, that we want to do, they pick up on. We? Oh, oh gosh, they said we. Oh, aren't they just? Oh, we. Every we. And Americans try to put we into the most inappropriate of places, and you think, just leave it to us. But why I'm saying that is that we use that little word as just part of our culture. We don't even think about it. We want in our culture to be about reaching. We want to be having it as part of who we are and just flowing out of us. We want to be reaching as part of our uh, DNA. And for some of us, if you're a bit like me, it's going to require a wee bit of reorientation because I think most of the time we do this out of a place of, I really should. Now, definitely God wants us to reach, but he wants us to reach from who we are. He wants us to reach out of the ease and flow of what he's done in our lives, and we're going to talk about that. But this is a reorientation from the guilt that we feel. So let's just park the guilt over there and the should that we feel, and let's give opportunity for ourselves to be at peace and to let what we have just come out of us. So we're looking for flow over forced. We're looking for ease over awkwardness. And I hear you ask, how do we do that? Well... We look, we've got to look first at the reacher. God is the reacher, and we are following him. When Adam chose to listen to someone other than God and re- reap the consequences of what he did when he took the apple from his wife, God reached out. Genesis 3.9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he's been reaching out from the beginning, so he is the primary reacher. And we've said this a number of times, but when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's asking it to show us or to help us identify that we're actually lost or for us to understand where, what our position is. John 1:14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And Luke 19:10, this was about Zacchaeus, interesting story. Um, it was commented on Jesus that he came to seek and to save the lost. So we've got to get past the religious uh, familiarity of the word lost and saved. We uh, would be asked regularly by lots of people, are you saved? And really what they're asking is, are you a Christian? But they use the word saved. Most of us, if I went on and said, well, can you tell me what you're saved from? We'd go, 
well, what do you mean? We want to be about what are we saved from? If you were lost and now you're found, well, where were you? And how did God get you? So we want to think about all of those things. Lost is defined as having gone astray or missed the way, bewildered as to where you are and without direction. Were you not lost when you let him find you? Maybe we think that it's got to be a certain way. Maybe it's got to be in some abysmal uh, state that just is, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of the generic. When you say, uh, when I say lost, you think, is it this particular thing? Or when, you, when somebody is saved from something, is it this particular thing? What about you? He got to you, and if he hasn't got to you, we can help you with that. But he got to you, so were you not lost when he found you? We've got to help people find their way home. And whether they know it or not, those who don't know Jesus are looking for their way home. And they've been searching for someone, even though they thought that they were maybe searching for a place. And if you are here today and you don't know him, then we'll talk at the end. Most of us, when we're lost or when we need saved from something, are trying to numb the pain, get rid of the distress or the confusion or the state of being lost as to where we are. But we've got to let others find their true north in Jesus Christ. And sad but true, we are the only Jesus that some people are going to meet. And we are the only Bible that some people are ever going to read. So we want to let God work in our lives so that we can let him burst out of us. Sometimes uh, without even communicating that it's him. He is the light of the world. And because he is, he said that we are, that we must let our light shine. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John eight twelve. And then in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, he said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way. Maybe there's a way that we can blind people. Maybe there's a way that we can do it that's unhelpful. You know, you don't want to come up to somebody and like, you know, one of those massive torches that's like 10 million candle watts and go, I know Jesus. As they go, ah, my, my. You want to come up with an appropriate light. It's always him, but you want to come up with the right light. And at times some people need that. At other times they just need a tea light. Sometimes they need little twinkle lights. Sometimes they need the standard lamp put on. Sometimes they need big candles. Sometimes they need lots of candles. But it's got to be in such a way in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who, who is in heaven. So because he is, we are. And the more focused that the light that you have becomes, then turns into a laser. The dictionary defines a laser as its use being in drilling, cutting, alignment, guidance, and surgery. So we want to let him work in our lives to the point that who we are, who he's created us to be, this thing flops about me here, that we let him bring us to such a place that our light's like a laser and it's specific and it can do specific things um, and do like, you know, those surgeries that uh, need just the most delicate of touches, that we can let our light shine. We don't want to be all the time going, oh my eye. So we want to partner with him so the light that he has given us shines out of us appropriately and is focused. 
There's nothing more powerfully dangerous in the best possible sense than someone who knows who they are in Jesus Christ. And in humility, remember last week we were talking about pride or humility, confident humility is agreeing with God as to what he says about you and what he says about circumstances. Well, in humility, let people feel the weight of who you are. Without apology, you're not going to be rude if you're being who you really are. Let them feel the weight of who God's created you to be. So I want to give you a couple of examples. I um, had a good week in work. Uh, from a relational point of view, there's been a couple of people that when I've been with them, I've just had a, a sense, feeling of what God wants to do with their lives. You can call that a prophetic sense. The prophetic is about being able to communicate God's will and intentions, what he wants to do in the life of somebody else. There's this one guy, and he's just great. He just There's just something very special about him. And I Oh, that's all I know. So I'm kind of watching for the inroads as to how we do that. What's God up to? How do I kind of follow him and get on the back of what he's up to? The other guy, he's in just for a while and he used to be a missionary and he's just really waiting for the next thing. And there was one day he was collecting something and I just just came into my mind about, you know, when uh, Joseph was in prison and he said to the cupbearer, I think it was the cupbearer, wasn't it, that got to live? Hey, remember me when you're in front of Pharaoh. And the time passed and nothing had happened. And, and then the time came where a couple went, oh, I remember that guy. And he came to his position in his place. And I was thinking, how do we do this? Like, I felt the shoulds, felt the wee bit of, oh, got to get this done, got to get this done. And nothing happened. And the situation went by. And inside you're going, did I miss it? Did I miss it? Did I miss it? Oh, no, I've missed it. And all those thoughts of, Hold those thoughts captive. I'm a worm. I just don't know how to do this. Just let's hold all of those thoughts captive. And on Friday, I was talking with the other guy. He was sharing a bit of some trouble that he has in his life. And I said, you know, I am a Christian. He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you know the main difference he's made for me? I said, I was really terrified and I'm not anymore. All right, mate, I'm away on my lunch. The other guy was saying, I said, do you know, I was thinking, I just wonder about the story of Joseph and you. Just told him that. And he went, oh, thanks. He's, he's Dutch, so he went, oh, thanks very much. I was more Scottish, apologies. But it was really, really easy. And the guilt manipulation, got to get it done, got to get it done, that I felt, actually, what would that have accomplished? You know, it would have been awkward. I, I would have been saying, excuse me, can I speak to you? I feel of a sense of the Holy Spirit that I have to. Just, it's just awkward and forced. Whereas, actually, I was just getting my mugshot ready in the staff room. And just, just float out in conversation. It's just easy. So we want to let our light shine. So the question on the slide, what's in your hand? What is it that you've got? Why did God reach out to you? What have you been saved from? If you were lost and now found, can you remember what it was like to be found? Can you remember what it was like to be rescued? Second Corinthians uh, Chapter 1, verse 4, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're in trouble, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Now, some of you know my story that I would always recite. This is my one that I pluck out when people say, how did you become a Christian? I was driving along in the car. I was about 18 or 19, wasn't in the best possible place. Car fills up with this love. I'm totally ruined. <laughs> Window wipers are going backwards and forwards. Tears are flooding. Need a tissue. It's messy. It's horrible. And I think, how could I not go after this God who loves me like that? He changed things for me. 
I was set free and healed through intense, exhausting discipleship. If you didn't know that it's exhausting, you've been sold a damp squib. It's difficult, it's tough, but it's absolutely worth it. I was called and envisioned, and as Soren Kierkegaard said, now with God's help I shall become myself. I fell in love with God. I even had a friend say, it's like you have this new relationship, and I'm sorry, I just can't be your friend anymore. What's that about? It was the most bittersweet confirming you're in relationship with God, but actually I don't want to be your friend anymore. Then I didn't read. I wasn't a reader. I did my A-level English by watching the videos. It's true. It's absolutely true. Pride and Prejudice. I can't remember what else there was. Midsummer Night Stream rented the videos, found it easier. Then when, I, uh, when God got a hold of me, I started reading Max Licato books. Do you remember? No Max Licato? He's wonderfully cheesy, but it was just fantastic for where I was at. And then somebody gave me a book by Ken Gara, Windows of the Soul, and read, then read Moments with the Savior. And I remember really clearly sitting in the kitchen in mom and dad's house, reading one of the stories that Ken Gara had written, just weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. Because he was able to communicate uh, how Jesus saw other people, the dignity that he gave other people, how he gave them back themselves, how he took back what the enemy had stolen. And also, he didn't compromise himself. I could just see it clearly, and it just busted me. My emotions couldn't handle it. I wanted more when he did that, and I still do. Part of the fruit of what I'm doing now is because in those moments, I just went on the bunny trail. And I know what it is that he was doing within me. At the time that he's doing it, sometimes it's kind of hard. Anybody else have that experience? It's afterwards. The Christian life is best led forward and understood backwards. But it's afterwards that you go, that's what he was teaching. That's what he was doing. And the more that you know what it is that you have in your hand, then you know what to reach out with. And who God shows you of himself is who he'll uncover you to be. You bet your bottom dollar. I haven't used that phrase in a while. That whenever I'm coming up to people in ministry, I'm thinking, Jesus would do this with dignity. He would give them their dignity back. What's been stolen? What is it that he wants to restore? He's not going to compromise himself as he ministers. I'm not going to do that either. I've got to be myself. Who he shows you that he is, is who he's creating you to be. Whether it's the shepherd, whether it's the king, the friend, the pastor, the brother, the father, the sister, the mother... The son, whether it's his kindness, whether it's his joy, whether it's his fun and his humor, to name a few, that's who he wants to create you to be. So desire reveals design and design reveals destiny. Desire reveals design and design reveals destiny. And when he reveals that little bit of himself, you go, oh, I didn't know that. Unless you see what it is that he wants to, to form you to be, you're not going to be able to get there. That's why he shows you. Have you noticed that? That he brings people in your life who have the thing that you want. He's not doing that to rub your face in it. He's doing it to give you a vision of where he wants to take you. That's why we have a vision statement. Unless we can see where we're going, we'll not be able to get there. And we're all one body, but there's many parts. So we're all really, really different. I spent uh, two and a half months in Ghana and West Africa in 2001. And everybody that was in the team seemed to be really broken by the um, abject poverty. Really, you know, I remember seeing this one lady and she was holding her son and just, she didn't have anything at all. And to be honest, I thought that's awful, but it didn't break me in half. What broke me in half was the poverty that I saw with the missionaries. That's what got me. 
And I, rem- I remember feeling a bit like, is that not a wee bit like arrogant of me to feel that way? Now, in the immaturity of where I was at that time, that would come across as arrogance. Where I'm standing now, that's exactly who he's created me to be. I want to be able to minister to those people and say, let's understand why you're here. What brokenness do you have? You're going to be able to serve those people better if you let him in and do those things. Do you remember with Joseph? Joseph was shown the dream, and the dream was that the other sheaves bound down to him, and he communicated that, and they were like, you're an idiot. Got rid of him, sent him to Egypt. God still worked through the stupidity of his immaturity. But the reality was the truth, that at one point those brothers did come to bind down to you. So whatever it is that he's showing you, don't let your soul, man, your mind, your will, and your emotions explain it away and go, that can't be right. Everybody else is seeing the abject poverty and busted by that. Am I a dead inside that I'm not really busted by that image? No, I'm busted by something else because I'm designed to be busted by something else because I'm a different part of the body because that's what he's called me to do. So don't explain away what it is that he's showing you about himself or about you. Desire reveals design and design reveals destiny. So why am I telling you about what it is that he's done for you? Because Mark 5, 19, Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. He said that to Gerasene demoniac. Then to the woman at the well, John 4, 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, which started with, he told me everything that I've ever done. So our work before we start going out there and reaching out is we have got to understand what it is that he's up to with us. And when we understand that, then we partner with him. People can argue with your theology, but they cannot argue with your testimony or your story. That can work. I could have, I don't know what I could have done. I could have said, well, you know, I believe uh, scripturally it says that uh, you should uh, submit and yield all of your anxious thoughts towards the one who loves you dearly and deeply. Or I could say, tell you what, made, made a difference to me, and walk off. It's my language. It's coming through me. Just being myself. It's my story. I own it. You know, maybe he'll go, that's completely stupid, he's lying. Or maybe he'll go, wonder really. Is that real? Maybe he'll ask me more about that. I don't know. But at that moment in time, I'm just reaching out. Doesn't look like what I thought it would reach out. I always think that reaching and evangelism has to look a certain way. And then we just get to be ourselves. We want to reach out with what we've got. We want to be a community known for his love. If we don't have his love, If we don't know his love, how can we be a community known for his love? You can't tell people the difference that Jesus Christ has made if you haven't let him make a difference. Do you remember Goodwill Hunting? You know Goodwill Hunting. Uh, He's sitting, Matt Damon basically comes in as this uh, character who has lots and lots of issues, has lots of problems with the law, and Robin Williams is the uh, counselor. How many of you have seen Goodwill Hunting? Only a few? Okay, so... Matt Damon's character is a genius. He knows so much about everything. Robin Williams' character, then he comes in and sits down beside him by a park bench and he totally nails him and he says, I guess that you've never been out of Boston before and the guy just nods. And he says, I bet you can recite to me every work of art that Michelangelo has ever done. You can tell me all about him, about his politics, about his relationships, about all of that stuff. 
but you can never tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. I remember we were on our honeymoon. We went to Lamone and Garda and then went down to Rome. And I really wanted to go to the Sistine Chapel. And it's the most, it, it was wonderful, but how many signs were there of the Capella Sistina? Sistina, Capella Sistina? Felt like it went on forever. By the time you got to actually the end of the Sistine Chapel, you were crammed in with all of these people and you were exhausted because it was just the longest journey to get there. But then you look up. I was newly married. I was there with my new wife and I looked up and I mean, I did history of art in school. And there's the, when God touches uh, Adam, it's just absolutely beautiful. And I can remember how it feels. It's kind of damp and it's warm. And they're so, uh, they're so intentional about protecting the copyright of the space that you don't take any photographs. And there's this hush over it. You don't get that from a book. You just don't. So stop telling people about the stuff you don't know about. Talk about what you do. We want to relate with authenticity and passion. You come to me and tell me something that you don't know about. I'm like everybody else. I know that you're lying. You come and tell me something that's happened that's real for you. I'm going to believe you. So let's let God do what he wants to do. And let's tell our story. If you don't think that your testimony is glitzy and glamorous enough, you're looking at it through the wrong worldview. He has come to you. And he wants to use you. And you are a stained glass window that he wants to shine his light through. So just let him. If you hear people with these wonderful testimonies, fantastic. But really, what makes a wonderful testimony? Somebody yielding to the person of Jesus as he works in their lives. Let God have his way in you. So what have you got in your hand? Is it hope? Is it peace? Is it joy? Is it restored relationships that were broken? Is it freedom from addictions? Is it that you know how to, that you can operate in a place of self-control? Are you not afraid anymore? Most of us have several. And he's writing several chapters in the book of who you are. He always tells me it's going to be all right. So what do you think I do in pastoral situations? Do I go around the mountains? I say, it's going to be all right. Why? Because I believe God. If I didn't believe him and he was saying to me, it's going to be all right, people could tell They'd be going, well, Colin just tells you it's all right. I tell you all right because it's going to be all right. Because I know, because he said it's going to be all right. And he's faithful and true, and he's not up there. I don't know why I'm pointing up there. So the, to, to the degree that you own what it is that he's done in your life, to the degree that you let him embrace you, to the degree that you let him correct you, to the degree that you let him bless you is the degree that you're going to be able to give that away. And it's a process of learning how he's reached us and learning what he's doing in us. So the first place is recognition of a need to learn something. Oh, I think I maybe need to go on that journey. Second place, you're in the process of learning something. You're participating with God in what he's doing in you. The third is that you recognize that you've learned something. And the fourth is that you're able to teach and impart that which it is that he has worked in you. He doesn't give it to you to be able to hold on. He gives it so that you can give it away. We want to have clean hands. This is about what we have in our hands. We want to be sure that we have clean hands that are washed. Psalm 24, 3 to 4. Who may ascend the mountain of God? Who may stand in his holy place? the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. James 4, 8, this is the one that would go, oh, 
Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So if there's stuff you're doing that's sin, just stop it. Wash your hands. Say you're sorry. Ask the Holy Spirit to take back any ground that you've given over. Wash your hands and let's walk on. Simple as that. Clean your nails. Go into the detail of it all. If it's really messy stuff that we're dealing with that maybe takes a little bit more rubbing, then let's get it done. If you can't get your hands clean by yourself, come and talk to us. We've got power hoses. And other products. It burns, it burns. But we want to get our hands clean. To be able to reach out, we've got to let go. When we hold on to what's familiar and often unhelpful, we've got to let it go. We need to reach out to let go. Name the film. Wilson! Oh, why? Oh, why? What's that? What's that one called? It's not Forrest Gump. No. Cast. The one with the ball. Good love. This is the same woman who said when she watched Star Wars, is that guy on black plastic bad? You mean Darth Vader? Castaway. Well, Tom Hanks said that, does everybody ask you to do Forrest Gump? He said, no, no, I'm just walking around. You hear people go, Wilson! See, when I watched that and he let go of Wilson, that made so much sense to me. How the heck could he re-enter normal life if he was carrying around this leather worn-out football that he called Wilson? That would be a wee bit strange now. So let go of your Wilsons. Wilson! Let it go. Let it go. It's going to be all right. You're going to have to let go of the security that you feel. God's security, sometimes you can't feel it. It looks nuts, but you're really jumping from security that's going to fall apart to security that never will fall apart. So let go. Well, just let it go. You can shout all you want. I don't care what it is. My security. That relationship. My finances. My movies. All that thing. Whatever it is, just let it go. It's all right. You can make a a noise and a fuss. That's all right. But just let it go. Because he wants you to reach out. Do you remember Finding Nemo? Seen that one? Yeah? You know the bit whenever he's in the wheel? And the whale goes, and Dory goes, he says, you're here, you've got to let go. And he goes, he just holds on really tight. And Dory says, you've got to let go. At that point, I'm in the cinema going, <laughs> sad but true, uh, because there's stuff that I need to let go of. And when he did let go, the whale burst him out of his, uh, what do you call it, the blowhole, and he was at the place that he needed to be. We just have to let go. God's good. He really is. You know, if you've never done this before, it's scary. Loads of us have been there. Talk to us. Tell us that you're terrified. We'll say it's going to be all right. It's scary. It is scary, but he's really, really good. So let's let go. Can we have you guys up, please? We've got to be able to let go and reach, to be able to reach out because God said, this is Isaiah 58, is not this the kind of fasting that I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of God will be your rear God. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I. So are we up for this? The beauty of it all is that we get to be ourselves. We don't have to be somebody else. 
We can learn from others. We've got people in our community who are great at this. We can glean from them ways to do this. But we can't be them, nor should we be. We've got to be ourselves. So let's stand together. As always, every Sunday when there's a message, there's going to be a call for ministry. So I've got three questions. As always, you can ignore the questions and just come up. But do you want to embrace what God wants to give you and what he wants to do in your life? Do you need to be able to let go to reach out? Well, do you need to let it go? Or here's the kicker. Do you need to wash your hands from any sin that you've been doing? If that's you, please come up and join me now at the front. We're going to minister to you. Liberty and to experience in who you are in your love. So come, Holy Spirit.